Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you again for being with us for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Uh, it's, it's always great to hear from you. And this week I got lots of comments about some of the previous shows that we have run and nothing makes me feel better, uh, than to know that people are watching and you care and you're sharing the shows with other people, uh, because we try to bring information to you that's timely, uh, and interesting and informative. And thank you. Thank you very much. And we are brought to you in part by No Sweat Experts. You know, it's hot, hot, hot outside. The very last thing you need is for your air conditioning to fail on you right now at this time of the year. So you get in touch with Roy Cook and his gang over there at No Sweat Experts. They will take good care of you. They take good care of me. They come out four times a year. Devin is my go-to guy. They're really great great local company to do business with. So anywhere in the DFW area, call No Sweat Experts. You know, there's an awful lot being said right now about recession, about about the stock market, about about conserving the, the money that you have, about the high cost of gas at the pumps. It's all related to dollar bills and money. So I brought in my guest, Jen Colby, who is going to spend some time today talking about not only the money you have, but the money that you want to keep. <laughs> I think that's that's the pretty important part, isn't it? Jen, thank you for spending time with me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, you, you are... A rare kind of person in today's financial uh, climate, and that is somebody who knows the ins and outs of what's happening with, mm -hmm. with money and the markets. And I, for one, will be the first to say that if you know how to, if you know, if you're a day trader and you know how to do it, and you want to buy and sell and try and make money, fine. But the vast majority of us don't. If we have been able to sock away a few bucks over the years, the last thing we want to do is to look and see that it's it's depleting. It's it's we're losing it. So I guess my, the first thing that I want you to tell our audience today is why is it important for people to consider having a financial, you know, planner in their back pocket? Well, I think a financial planner is like a good hairdresser, as I always say to the women that I work with. Um, I can cut my own hair, um, but it's not going to look as good once I'm finished. So I good need experts. Point. Yeah, I need experts just like you do. Um, men in the room, too. I mean, military guys come back with a haircut, and if their wife did it, it's a hack, right? Um, so a financial advisor, uh, a CPA, um, somebody of that sort is going to be your expert in the room. And they're not only just doing investments, but they're also seeing the other things uh, surrounding the investment approach. So a good financial advisor is not that the investments are the means to the end, not the end goal, because we're going to take into account your goals, your your future, things that you wouldn't have considered, like long term care issues, um, perhaps uh, education 
concerns with your with your kids. Um, insurance may be part of that as well, as well as long-term uh, legacy planning with a trust and estates attorney. And there's tax management. So there's a whole host of people around that you need to surround yourself with. However, um, most people aren't going to see that. They're going to ha be have some blind spots. That's very important. Uh, uh, you know, I, for instance, when you go looking for a car, uh, a good salesman doesn't just walk you over and, and show you the lot and say, pick out what you like, because mm -hmm. you're probably going to go for that red sports car. Uh, but if he's smart, he says to you, uh, is this for the family or is this just for you? Are you going back and forth to work every day or are you going across country? Uh, you know, how, how are you, how much are you going to use the vehicle? And if you got a family of six, you're probably going to need a little bit bigger vehicle to get every, all of them in. I mean, am, am I correct that this is basically the same thing that you want to devise from your clients? That's a great point. And actually, when you're saying that I was on a car lot recently and a gentleman just showed me the car without asking any questions. And I actually turned to my fiance. I said, he's not a sales guy. He didn't ask me any questions. He's just making some assumptions based on what I walked into uh, the, onto the lot with. But I would prefer he asked me a few questions because there's some factors that need to be taken into consideration. Um, so that's exactly what I do is uh, as an advisor, it's important to ask a bunch of questions, things that somebody may not have even realized that they needed to know or consider. Um, so when somebody says, hey, I need a financial advisor, what can you help me with? Um, I have about 10 questions at the top of my tongue as to how uh, we can address that. I have more questions than answers from the very get-go. All right. So what are some of those questions that, that you know, I, I, I call you up and I say, okay, look, uh, I, I think I need somebody to help me manage my, my money uh, or my, my portfolio or what, whatever. What are the things that you want to know? Just based on those two questions alone is, okay, tell me about your, your existing portfolio. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Uh, what are your main concerns? What's going on existing in your portfolio or outside in the market that, that makes you want to even talk to somebody? Um, tell me about the experience you've had with your previous advisor. Really, what are your goals? What would you like to achieve? Um, and then we start digging into to budget and other numbers but really it, it's it's the intangible things first and foremost and then we start digging into the the tangible dollar signs so obviously over the last six months to to maybe almost a year people mm -hmm. have seen a decline mm -hmm. in, in 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 the markets uh should people be afraid should they be cautious should they be taking some of the money out and putting it under the mattress uh, you know, for, for that, that rainy day, if it, if, if things should go, go south on us even further. That that's a multi, um, layered onion right there. So it depends yeah. on, and, and Bernstein will always say it depends, right? But so let's break that into Definite maybe components. Yeah. yeah. So it really depends on what somebody's, uh, life cycle is. Where are they, um, with their finances? If they're closer to retirement, it may make sense to pull some of those resources out for uh, flexibility because we just don't know. But that is a careful conversation and consideration with an advisor to make sure that that's done in a calculated manner. Because if somebody does pull all of their assets out at the bottom of the market and we don't know when that is or if when, when it will occur or if we've already hit it, um, you're locking those losses into place. 
when in a critical time um, in your life. Um, for somebody that's on the on the front end of their savings and their retirement planning, um, their goal planning, um, they can take on some more risks. So if they actually have cash on the side, that's a fantastic opportunity to buy low, like we're supposed to, and continue to ride that wave as we as we go back into the market. Um, to address the question with sitting on cash, there's, cash is a wonderful thing, but it can be hampered in an inflation-rich uh, environment. So um, these rates are going to eat up your buying power in cash. So having some on the side to, to dampen the blow day-to-day -day operations and bills, it's critical. Um, and that's a conversation, once again, with an advisor on what is my Linus blanket, as I like to call it? What's my number that needs to be in the bank to be comfortable? Um, to absorb emergencies. But if we're pulling out of the market because we're afraid, um, that's a completely uh, opposite behavior of what needs to be done. Because once again, if the market's down, you're locking those losses into place and more than likely paying taxes on those, on, on some things that would have happened on the gains. And so it's a double whammy. Yeah, you know, when the market is up, everybody feels great. You know, yeah. you, you don't, you don't, often think about, well, where was I when I started? If I was at this level and I've seen it go like this, mm -hmm. you know, I feel terrific. Well, but when it goes down like this, you have to say to yourself, look, I started here. And the one thing that I think you can, you can admit to that the market is always going to rise and fall. Yes. Sometimes higher, sometimes lower, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. But for the sake of the audience, mm -hmm. let's say let's say I'm I'm a 20 year old. I'm newly married. I've got uh, I've got one child that's starting grade school and an, and another one that's in diapers. Uh, I got I'll throw a number out. I got ten thousand dollars that I want to start putting away into something that helps to grow. What kind of a balance would you take? for a, a young couple with two children in that scenario? Well, once again, I always have more questions than I have answers, but I'm assuming that these individuals, if they're working, are, are doing the best they can to max out their 401k, um, at least contributing up to the match because that's free money. Um, if they have flexibility on the side, they probably need to have an emergency fund. Once again, a number that would get them through an air conditioning replace and, and call call your sponsors today, right? That's a fun bill to, to accommodate. Right. Uh, maybe some tires getting blown out or replacement on a car, car down payment. So after that's taken into consideration, and if that $10,000 is really to have that flexible, after that, it's really flexible money, um, then my recommendation is to, to start at the baseline with a balanced approach. So that means that they're going to have um, probably about 80 percent equity and 20 percent um, fixed income to have some balance so that it does insulate their portfolio from a drop because we are experiencing that um, and you don't fall as far like you were mentioning um, but to start with a balanced approach first and foremost gives you a really strong base uh, to work with and an advisor can walk you through on how to how to attack that whether it's individual stocks individual bonds or mutual funds or even etfs all right, so now let, let's fast forward about 15 years. Okay. That older child is getting ready to go to college, and the younger child is in, in, in getting ready to go into high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and all mom and dad are still working. And, of course, once, once one goes off to college, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a half-empty nest. And all. now 
how do you go back to this client and say, I think it's about time we make a few adjustments in order to cover that college bound child? Well, hopefully that college bound child has been planned for all along um, because trying to recover and pay for college um, on, a, on a dime uh, and, and, and uh, really pivot very quickly is difficult because the cost of college is way more than most clients realize. Um, and there's, there's, there's fringe costs to going to college. There's the, the football games that kids want to go to. There's the movies. There's trips to Costa Rica or what have you, right, that nobody considers. Um, so when somebody is nearing, I would assume they're closer to retirement, right? So we're starting to pull back. And it really depends on their income situation, their spending situation, uh, what college that, that child is going to. Um, but if we're looking at their whole portfolio in place, um, there's a whole host of factors that are at play. So once again, it really depends. Um, and to, to um, try and gear my answer toward exactly what they should do, it's really going to depend on their focus because some, some individuals may be able to withstand a higher and more intense portfolio still with a lot of stocks involved. Um, but if somebody is is perhaps that one of them lost a job or um, there's a health issue, we're going to have to pull back because we need to insulate our portfolio against the volatility like we are experiencing. So it really depends. Um, and the final thing I'll say to that, if we have some flexibility financially, um, if we don't have life insurance or long-term care insurance to protect that portfolio at end of life, um, that's a strong consideration that needs to be discussed now because it, it only gets more expensive every day that you're living. We've talked about insurance and some people mm -hmm. will say, well, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy and all. I don't, I don't need life insurance and all, but you just don't know about the unexpected. Uh, and when the breadwinner uh, is suddenly is in an accident or whatever and taken mm -hmm. out of the picture, uh, it can throw the entire financial picture completely upside down. Yes. Uh, so, so, you know, planning, 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 planning is, is extremely, extremely important. And I think it's also safe to, to assume that, that when you get your paycheck, uh, whether you get a paycheck every two weeks or weekly or monthly, am I correct that you should always have a plan that part of that paycheck goes into your savings into your investments, you know, you, in other words, pay yourself first. Yeah. You got to have enough money for the, for the, the food, the rent, the, the mortgage payment, whatever the car payment and all, but also one of those items on the list should be you. Yes. I would agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Um, I think if, if the majority of Americans did that, did that, you know, for real, that would be amazing. I think we would be in a much better situation uh, person to person. And if I could teach every high school student to do that as well with that paycheck from, you know, Chick-fil-A or wherever they work, that would be amazing. Um, I think the actual behavior in homes with that paycheck does not occur. Um, but when we're saving, that gives us the financial flexibility for to weather something like this with the, with the volatility. Yeah. Because the air conditioner, I, I keep bringing that up and it just happens to be the sponsor today, but um, I've personally experienced it. I've seen my clients experience that and it's it's a an incredible uh, detriment to their portfolio sometimes because they do not have the cash on hand. They did not pay themselves forward 
and now they're pay paying um, credit card bill or they took it out of their portfolio when the markets you know, ramped up. Yeah, yeah and, and we're not talking hundreds and thousands of dollars uh, uh, every week. If, even if somebody uh, as little as say, let's say even $15 a week out of that paycheck goes right into that, uh, that investment account. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't want to say to yourself, oh, well, listen, you know, I, uh, 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 I need a little extra, extra money just uh, for social to, yes. to go to a movie or something like that. I'll just take it from the money that I normally put into the investment account. You're probably better off giving up that pizza and taking the cost of that pizza and putting it into the investment account because it may not seem like an awful lot to you today, but boy, at the end of the year, when you see all of that money that went into the investment account and now the interest is, is accruing on top of the interest, yes. uh, you're going to be pleased with the plan that, that, that you've done. Uh, my, my mom and dad instilled that in, in me and my sister, mm -hmm. uh, and and those those were the days where we didn't have four hundred one k's. Yeah. Uh, you know, you 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 went down to the bank and you put the money into a savings account. And and course, yeah. In, yeah. In in those days, maybe the, the your savings account was getting uh, eight, nine, ten, twelve percent interest. Now, forget about it. That money's got to go into something that's going to to make money for you. At, at a better rate than sitting in a bank. Agreed. And so you touched on something that's interesting um, that I I get a lot is, okay, so if I'm paying myself forward and the market's down right now, how is that beneficial for me to sideline that $15, $100? Well, let's talk about it in the 401k because if, if, if people are contributing to their 401k, the same thing is happening and it's more e it's easier for people to conceptualize. Um, so it's something called dollar cost averaging, and it's a very simple concept, and it actually will, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, pay dividends. Um, so let's talk about the $100 going into your 401k. It is coming out, say, the 15th of every month when you get paid. You never see it if you set it up properly, right? You don't miss it. Like you said, you're not missing out on the extra pizza or the extra Starbucks, what have you, but it's going in to your portfolio uh, nonetheless. Well, on a, on a day when the market is down, you are getting a, a steal. It's on clearance. It's because you're still buying $100 worth of investment. Um, on a day where it's higher, you're going to be paying you know, higher for, that, for that, um, the share price. But on average, you're still, because you are having it on automation and you're not worrying about it and trying to time it and there's an emotion in, in play, you're actually going to pay per share price lower if you automate it. Um, because you're right, people will rationalize and justify, oh, I needed to go to a concert or I, I needed to pay off my car early or you know, what have you, and they will miss out on that opportunity. And they'll be coming into an advisor's office at 55 and trying to catch up. And and you, you mentioned 55. As people yes. get, get older, start facing retirement, uh, that plan that we talked about earlier in your 20s, uh, and everything that has to be kind of recalculated. You may not want to be put your money into as much risk once you uh, the kids are grown and out on their own, mm -hmm. and you're now going to be going on Social Security and getting a fixed income. Now you want to 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 preserve what you have. Uh, then what would you do? You would then just maybe reassess and say uh, maybe let's switch this from an 80-20 mix 
to closer to a 60-40 or a 50-50. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, because you're pulling down the, the level of risk um, by lowering the number of the, the allocation or the percentage of um, your portfolio in stocks. And so you have a, a, a better baseline. I call it a safety net. You're bringing your safety net higher off the ground. Um, and my analogy is a trapeze artist, when they're young, they're willing to fall further into that safety net, right? Because you're so, bound. Yeah. And so they're at the 20% level, right? Yeah. But they're, they're willing to take that risk. But then as you get older, you realize that you're, you're, you're going to break if you continue to fall. Um, and so that, that safety net is going to pull further off the ground and you're not going to fall as far. Same with your portfolio. Um, because people's, uh, their, their risk tolerance changes most of the time um, outside of other factors in play as you age. You just feel less confident about that trapeze, right? <laughs> what what got Jen Colby interested in doing all of this for people? Um, so I never saw myself in finance. And I know that that's a very bold statement um, based on what I do for a living. Um, but coming out of the Air Force, I had some requirements for my, my new civilian job. Um, and they had nothing to do with industry. They were industry agnostic. But as an Air Force officer, I knew I needed to be in a leadership position because um, that's where I belong. That's just where I will rise anyway. And I'll be incredibly frustrated if I do not have um, a say in how things are operating, especially my, my own day. Um, I also wanted to be a change agent. I wanted to actually affect change. Um, and I wanted to help people. That's where I'm naturally drawn. That's where I'm. That's where I, my cup is filled. Um, so I worked for Apple for a brief moment, less than a year at a, a South Lake, a South Lake, Texas store as a manager. And it was super fun. Um, I got to check all those boxes like I did, but my schedule was a retail schedule. So <laughs> six, planning six weeks in advance was uh, not something that was good for my, my little boys. I was missing out on zoo trips and nighttime and bedtime. Um, and so I switched there was a career conference for those that went to West Point Naval Academy, um, Air Force Academy, and Edward Jones was there. Um, the commission-based work terrified me because I didn't know where my next paycheck was coming from. Um, but as I understood a little bit more, there was a, a salary for you know a few years to, to guard against that. Um, so as I, I was at Edward Jones for five years, um, and as, as I was going through um, as an advisor, I found that I could help people, right? You can really see and affect change. Um, you can help somebody budget. Um, you can help see what that portfolio called and actually see the action that you've put into place. Um, you can calm the fears during portfolio uh, volatility. And so I just, I just find that that's where I need to be. Um, I shifted over to Bernstein in the last year. Um, just because I was able to uh, build portfolios a little differently. There was a value set change with, with a different firm. Um, but as I was exploring that option, it was because I felt that the relationship building and, and helping people was still where I needed to land. You know, well, let me, I'm just going to ask you this sure. question straight out because, you know, we, 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 every time you turn the TV on, they talk about, you know, the, 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 uh, a price index and everything is going up and we're in a recession. Are we in a recession and how do you define a recession? Well, I'm no economist, um, but officially we are, um, you would not consider it a recession. 
Um, now the official definition is, is two quarters of negative GDP. Um, mm -hmm. But actually we have very intelligent people at Bernstein um, and our chief economist who actually used to work for the Fed uh, would actually define the recession as um, two quarters of people without jobs, right? With, with unemployment pretty high. Um, and the reason is if you get, if you think about it, the flexibility, the discretionary money when individuals are working, they're going to go out and buy a movie ticket. It may be a high price, but they're still going to do it. They're going to look for the discretionary things um, that they're going to want to have fun with. Um, so as long as that is continuing to perpetuate, we're going to be okay. Um, some other factors that we're seeing that are actually beneficial and propelling us through this, um, let's talk the, the stimulus, right? People are still sitting on heavy cash um, Europe did not do a stimulus. And so believe it or not, Americans are sitting a little bit heavier on cash and we're willing to spend it um, as well as, as corporations have strong balance sheets. So those are two factors that even if we're nearing that, those things are going to hold our head above water a lot longer um, and we'll be okay. Well, you know, cert certainly the, the pandemic and I'll put a, put a wrench in a lot of everybody's plans. Everything mm -hmm. was just kind of, kind of rolling along very smoothly. And then in many cases, somebody either was furloughed, uh, they lost their job, mm -hmm. uh, they were forced to leave the office and work out of their home, which had some pluses and minuses. Uh, but all of a sudden, everybody was saying, Ooh, how is this going to affect me financially? Uh, for those that had a financial plan, I think it, it's safe to say you were able to weather the storm a little bit better. Uh, and, and I know that, that one thing that impressed me about you and, and some of the information that I read was that you're, you're even, you have a little, like a tagline, you say transforming reservation to mm -hmm. resolution. And boy, when you think about that, yeah, that's. That's where people are. You know, man, I, I, I just, I'm biting my nails. I don't know what to do. Jen Colby's sitting there just cool as a cucumber saying, listen, we're going to weather this storm and I'm going to show you how. Yes. That, that's, that's a message that I think the people that are watching and listening need to understand. And that is be proactive about mm -hmm. this. Don't wait until the ceiling starts to fall in. And I'll be proactive and have a plan. And and I know, Jen, you know, what, what I know you like to do, you like to listen to people. You like mm -hmm. to get questions answered first and then say, okay, now that we've discussed it, here, let's lay out lay out a plan. And 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 I think that's a very, very fair and a very you know uh uh uh, progressive approach to, to financial management. Well, and if you think about it, an advisor, if I'm doing the majority of the talking, I'm doing the minority of listening. Um, and my, my clients, Good point. People that, <laughs> the people that I encounter, they need to be heard. They have fears like you're saying, and they want to, they want to understand it. But sometimes people just want to land that they just need a place to sit with that emotion and they don't know where else to go. So um, I have had conversations that people did not realize they needed to have that day. Um, we are there for a review of their portfolio and we end up talking about their personal life. Um, I joke that I'm part counselor and other advisors you'll encounter will say the same. 
that you are counseling somebody through their life, um, their life lessons, that you're counseling through them, them through their future, you're counseling them through their disappointments. Um, and sometimes you have to help them pull them themselves up by their bootstraps. And sometimes you need to actually be kicking them in the bum because they need the advice. You know, what, what you're saying, I think is very important. You, you said sometimes you have to give your, your clients a little bit of a swift kick because they have to, they have to know that, look, you know, maybe you didn't realize that this was happening. I do realize it. So I'm calling you because I think we need to restructure something here uh, because it's, it's, it's not, not where it should be. Uh, but that's that's the reason why people should have a financial advisor in their in their family, uh, if you will, because yes. you know you become a part of the family. Uh, let, mm -hmm. Let's face it, you know if 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 you're my financial advisor and we're partners in this in this uh, uh, business, uh, and and uh, I'm not out to screw you, you're not out to screw me. You're trying to make sure that that where I'm going continues to go in that positive direction. I would agree. And as an advisor, I've also had to learn the humility that my advice is just that it is advice. Um, and somebody can take it and continue to, they can walk away, leave it on the table. Um, and I cannot care about somebody's money more than, than they do. So um, I can lead a horse to water. I can help them out. Um, but ultimately the plan is up to them. I'm not in their checkbook every day, helping them with their budget um, I'm not the one going onto their 401k website and making sure that they're contributing. Um, but ultimately I am there if they want somebody to meet with them. And I've done this. Um, if they want to meet every month, let's do a phone call. How are you doing? They're paying off credit card debt. I have done that because it's, it's, it's such a, it's a, such a, an emotional burden to be under that much credit card. Um, so they need that support sometimes and you just, you meet them where they are. Where, where did you grow up and, 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 and what was your, your school career and all about? Where did you study and what, um, did, well, and what did you study? Sure. Um, so I grew up as an, an army brat and then my dad was at Johnson and Johnson. So we were a bit, I was a business brat and then I usually just say I was a brat. Um, but, <laughs> but I graduated, um, high school from Connecticut. So that's where I claim home, but I've lived in Oklahoma and Texas, New Mexico before that. Um, I went to the Air Force Academy for, for my undergrad. Um, my dad went to West Point, and so I was inspired by that. When we lived in Connecticut, we were three hours away from West Point. So my dad made sure we went to some graduations and football games so that one of his three children would go. Um, I, took, I took that financial burden off of him um, and, and went to the Air Force Academy. Um, I went to the Air Force because women are treated uh, better in the military within the Air Force. Um, there's more oper career opportunities. Uh, families are treated uh, and more con considered a little bit higher um, in the Air Force. And so that's why I joined uh, Air Force versus Army. Um, I was a force support officer. So that means I do anything from the personnel or the HR side of things on base um, to the morale and welfare. So I was in charge of the dining facility, fitness center, hotel system. And my unit was in charge of things like the bowling center, country club, you know, the club, um, the, uh, the, the um, CDC, which is the, the child care, right? So um, I was in customer service or helping people in that entity as well. Um, and it just, that, that made sense to me. So, so the customer service was, was flowing through your, your veins from, from an early, early time. Yes. Uh, 
So when you got when you got out of the service, did you go right into financial advising, or you did you did a little bit uh, uh, in the in the big big world out there, and then finally said, "This is where I want to want to focus." Yeah, I I took that detour to Apple for um, I think it was nine months, um, and schedule wise, it just didn't work. Everything else was great, um, but. I, you know, I landed in finance just because it made sense. It, it still checked those boxes and it was an interesting opportunity. Um, you had asked, what did I, what was my degree in? I'm a humanities major. I have a bachelor of science in, in humanities because I had to take classes like aeronautical and astronautical engineering. Um, so, but I have an MBA and I get that question a lot. So how in the world did you switch? And I said, well, it really came down to serving people. And then Right. I figured I'd figure out the finances and um, there's a lot of self-study and figuring those things out, um, asking a lot of mentors, but um, at the end of the day, it made sense. And I just kept plugging away. You said you are, are you are one of very, very few women that are in this capacity mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it's more or less a man's world in the financial markets and everything. Do you find that works to your advantage and all because maybe uh, you have, female clients that, uh, that, that say, I want to maybe, maybe have a female, uh, take care of my portfolio or it doesn't really matter. It's just people are looking for somebody that's going, that they could connect with. That's a great question. I get that a lot. Um, so a woman in a, in a man's world, um, has their own challenges, right? In the military in financial services. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm me, I'm Jen Colby. And so, um, how I offer that is just being uh, authentic self. But I think being a woman in this industry is definitely an advantage. One, people remember who you are. Um, you can walk in a room with another, you know, hundred other males and you have no idea what, who, who they are. They all kind of start to look the same. So you definitely stick out, which can be a, a benefit. Yes. <laughs> um, women you know who are, the lady in the room is. Yeah. The only lady that the token <laughs> I usually am anyway um, in a military setting, I'm one of the Air Force people. Typically, it's, you know, Army or, or Marines. Um, but women also are more nurturing by nature. And so being a financial advisor is coming from a place of nurture. I'm trying to help. Um, I want to help. Um, sometimes there's emotion involved that I, sh that I shouldn't, you know, emote, but, um, but I, I want to care. And so there's that advantage. And then finally, like you said, my goal is to help other women. Um, women typically end up even sitting across the table and side by side with their spouse or their significant other. And if it's a male financial advisor, um, and I've been on the other side of that table, they are typically talking to the other male. Um, so women make many financial decisions in families. Sometimes they are the only financial decision maker uh, because of their role or just their aptitude at home. Um, and they're frequently underserved in that population. So my one of my focus areas is to find a network of other women uh, in the professional network, whether it's CPAs, trust and estates advisors, what have you, um, because women want to work with other women. Well, while we're talking, uh, Jen's email and uh, and uh, website and everything information is uh, scrolling across the screen. Get out a pad and pencil and, and jot it down and all. I, it's safe to say if you got questions, email Jen and just say, hey, I, I just like to learn a little bit more about who you are and what you do and how you might be able to help me. 
you are in the DFW area and all. But if there is somebody that says, you know, I like this lady and I'm in uh, where is the uh, Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs? Colorado Springs. Yes. Yeah. So somebody's in Colorado Springs and said, hey, she's an Air Force girl. Can they reach out to you for for investment help, too? Absolutely. We are licensed and able to help all states. In fact, Bernstein's global. So we help uh, global families as well. Okay, so you don't have to be in the DFW area to take advantage of what this young lady has to offer. All right, so so you you spend all day watching that ticker going across the screen and everything, <laughs> trying to see what's up and what's down and which which way to go. Which I'm glad you do it because I don't know if I could ever comprehend that. But there's got to come a time in the in in a week where you just say, you know what, I just got to turn the the monitors off. And mm -hmm. I got to chill. I got to, you know, what, what do you do when you're not doing financial advising? What do you like to do? So as soon as I log out of here, here in a moment, my boys will be home. I have to got two boys that are nine 11. Um, so I'm very busy <laughs> as soon as I log out. Oh, so um, that's, that's when your job really starts. Yes. I have a second <laughs> job, probably a third job. Um, but they're 9 and 11. They're busy with sports. And being in the summer right now, we're a little bit on a hiatus, but they do Boy Scouts. Um, I like to work out. I have to make sure that I work out. I love to garden. But right now with 100 plus heat, that is not happening. Gotcha. But I do plan my garden uh, over the winter time and think what I can add. And then I end up in trouble every time I go to the nursery. Um, <laughs> I do like to read. I really like I really enjoy reading. Um and just going for walks with my kids, you know, with my, with our dog, the simple things of life. Now, do you, do you like to read things other than financial? Uh, uh, I do. I do. I have, um, but I don't know what it says about me, but I have about four or five books at any given time started and I don't finish them. I don't know what it is, but um, I, I think I get that way too. and move on. I don't, I don't know what that's about, but I do. I, I have a smattering of, financial and then self-help or self-development and then you know usually a novel or two going on you kind of get sidetracked and then when you go back and pick up that book that you haven't read for three or four months you've got to go yeah. back about a half a chapter yeah. and read it to catch get caught up and get the the mindset going did i also see that you like to like antiquing i love to antique Two. i don't have a project right now which is probably why that didn't come to mind but um that started as a kid. Um, my parents had tons of antiques. Um, my mom inherited her great aunt Alice's almost her entire house. Oh, uh, wow. We had a piano. We had our dining room table, uh, chest of drawers, beds. Um, and so it just was folded into our lives. And my parents used it just as everyday furniture. I enjoy um, saving a dollar. So antiques are unique and fun and a conversation point. So what do you do? Refurbish them or re and repurpose them? All of the above. Yep. I've got a side yep. table that my boys painted, um, found that on the side of the road. <laughs> um, I have, <laughs> I, I, I painted a dresser that I got for free. I just had to go pick it up. Um, what else? Oh goodness. I have a, a, a table that has a glass on it that my boys have puzzles in that was done. I made a coffee table out of two freight carts. They were wow. $20 each. So all in, I'm maybe 40 or $50 in just some time. So yeah, I just like to repurpose and have fun. 
See, see, folks. So what she does is she buys low and she sells. <laughs> yes. Even in my personal life. That's right. You know, find that table on the side of the road. I'm going to yes. fix that 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 baby up and everything. And that's called an investment. Yes, it is. It is. So let's. I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit. Uh, and for those that are watching and listening and all, and they are all, you know, knowing that that the financial future they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see? You're looking through this financial tunnel uh, and you're looking for the light. What do you see? And, and give me a rough time frame as to what people, how people should figure to weather this financial mm-hmm. storm. Well, immediately um, to answer your question around about way, interest rates are going to continue to uh, be hiked up. And the whole goal is to, to slow inflation, Right. So the Fed's requirements are twofold. Their two mandates are um, to keep price stability and uh, to keep employment steady, right? Employment's pretty good off. We've got the price stability issue, uh, really trickle down effect from the the supply chain issues um, and a rush back into the market that we weren't quite ready for after the pandemic. Um, So to answer your question with those rate hikes, that it seems to be a sense of, of concern for many people. It actually, believe it or not, it's the inverse. It's slowing inflation down. It's slowing the price hikes down. Um, it just feels uncomfortable. And the Fed knows full well that when they are increasing those rates, that there is a market slowdown. That is the natural uh, right. lagging indicator of what their actions are. So to take that into account with the, the rate hikes um, through 2022, maybe early quarter, first quarter 2023, I would just say whether this volatility for the next year, year and a half, um, inflation, new normal is probably instead of one to 1.5 is going to be closer to two, two and a half, you know, maybe even a little bit north of that. Um, but our new normal, just like after the pandemic has, has shifted. Um, and what I'll say to rough, uh, to smooth out those feathers as well is if you have a financial plan and your portfolio is, it was doing what it was supposed to do two years ago, and it was it was flying high and it was beautiful. It's probably doing the right thing, We're, it, but our projections take into account these downturns. Um, just whether that, talk to an advisor, talk to a friend, get some get some homeostasis in your emotions, and it'll be okay. And if you're not sure who to talk to, talk to Jen Colby. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, thank you very, very much. I, 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 I've learned a lot, and I hope that the, those that are watching and listening have gathered some some little tidbits and maybe lit a little bit of a fire under their butts to say, you know what, I better review what I've got, and uh, and and maybe I need to make some adjustments or some changes, and maybe I just need to pick up the phone and call Jen Colby and get in touch with her and see see what I what I can do. I'm here to help. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. That'll do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. I always say be yourself because everyone else is taken. Uh, And that will do it for another show. And I hope you'll join us again next week at 10 o'clock on uh, Wednesday morning for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Thank you again, Jen. The very best. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
someone you should know.